Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast Surviving in Companies. I'm Carl. And I'm Marcel. And we are in an, uh, actually in the, the first virtual podcast because we are sitting in, uh, so Abian and myself, we're sitting in Münster. And um, Marcel is in? I'm in The Hague, the seaside town uh, in the Netherlands. So it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, we're, today we're talking to Abian Wiblaf, who recently finalized his PhD in molecular biology at the University of Münster in Western Germany. And Abian is uh, being a smart millennial originally from India who moved to Europe for his master's is in the same situation as many of you. He's starting to look for a job and finding a company that he feels good at. So the question we'd like to discuss with Abian is actually what are the things that are in his mind? What keeps him awake at night? And what, how do you actually orient yourself? Where do you get help and what to expect from your employers of choice? Thanks a lot for hosting us. Thanks for having me over here. <laughs> so, uh, Abian, being in your kitchen of your WG in Münster, which is pretty exciting, it reminds me of, of being a student. Uh, we have asked you to share some stories with us. Um, sure. Did you think of some? Yeah, I prepared. So let's see if you can catch it up. <laughs> um, so I, I think uh, one story I want to tell how I basically end up, because you mentioned already that I'm from India. And it happened actually uh, seven years before. Um, I I was doing my bachelor's studies and we were doing different internship. And uh, during the internship, I was in different good research labs in India. And then I realized that I really want something to explore more because as we know all that in India, basically we have some less resources and everything. And I really wanted to explore different part of the world to see. And then during my last year, I started looking for internship while some of my friends basically they we studied BTEC biotechnology of course they were applying for jobs in IT sector or in computer science and I was like really I want to learn more what I did I studied and I want to see some different part of the world so I started applying for internship and uh, then what happened basically I was getting some interview calls and uh, people it was working my parents were like oh don't go so abroad because no one has gone from my family before to study abroad and of course we cannot afford it as well. So I was like, okay, let's let's give a try. And then I was trying to approach people and trying to see how it goes. And then I finally uh, found an internship in Vienna. At that time, actually, I did not even know Vienna because I kind of, I liked the research lab. So I applied and uh, I got it. And, uh, and then I told my parents that, okay, I got some funding. Uh, would you like to support me? My, of course, my parents were a bit hesitant about it because, okay, they've never been there or out there. How does it work? And I remember, I still remember one of my friends, uh, she, she mentioned me basically that it's for one year of internship. What are you gonna do afterwards? And I was like, I don't know. I gonna check it out. I because at this point of the time, I want this. I was sitting in a plane <laughs> to Vienna, and then I realized, okay, this is happening. <laughs> and I, I I still remember that one year in Vienna basically was really challenging because it was totally a different culture and different working environment. It was a bit stressful. I have to be frank, but I think this made me. Uh, a person what I am right now. Um, I'm more confident and uh, it, it, you know how to adapt in different situations. So that uh, was very great enriching experience. I can imagine. I mean, and we'll get back if this is the true or the false story that yeah, you're telling sure. us, right? <laughs> so we're pretty excited to, uh, to, yeah. to solve that puzzle at the end. Right. 
Do you and have a second? Yeah, of course I have a second. Yeah, so I so now I am in Europe, okay? Uh, and then I wanted to see, of course, like how things go and everything. So I said, okay, let's go to Italy. And I wanted to have a, like a solo travel. And I went to Italy. Um, it was uh, it was Airbnb. So I, I I was totally alone. I was totally new, basically. And then I was like, okay. Uh, and I went to Italy. And then the very first day, um, I went out of the, my apartment and happened. Somehow I realized that I'm missing my wallet. Everything was gone. And uh, and I was like, okay, shit, what should I do now? But then I somehow managed to go back to the Airbnb apartment people there. And then I tried to explain <laughs> in uh, then, okay, you know, I, I lost it. And uh, can you help me or how does it work? And I blocked, of course, I, I blocked my ATM cards and everything was fine. But I still didn't want to waste my holidays. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm gonna stay in Italy. Let's see how I can f- figure it out, how it works. And then the, the, the owner was really good. And then he said, okay, you know what you can do? We have, um, they had a bakery basically, a dancer in the, in the apartment. And then said, you can help us. Sure, I can help you. So what I did, so basically I was uh, making some bread. So that's how actually, that's that's only thing which I know in baking because I don't know how to bake because in India we don't bake. So I, in the morning I was baking for them and getting some money. And then with that money, basically in the afternoon or in the night I was traveling and then we ended up, so my trip basically ended. And it was just a good experience of uh, learning how to bake uh, in Europe. and. Um, <laughs> no, that, that, that's a nice, nice story. So the first story, just to recap, uh, was basically your uh, flight to Europe and that experience associated with that. And the second one is actually in, in an Europe. Indian lost in Italy exactly. baking bread. Exactly, yes. Yeah, I think I completely get it. Um, <laughs> I, myself, I'm, I'm trained as a medical doctor and I, I did my PhD, the whole research thing, and then it hit me. Could I do more than this? Could I do different stuff? Mm-hmm. And I went through the same experimentation phase where you, you try to figure out what you're good at. And I eventually made the jump to a, to a tech company, mm-hmm. uh, to a health tech company. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people are also um, maybe even struggling with figuring out, is this going to be the field and right. the type of job I really want to stay at? Sure. And I think this is, this is after PhD, it's a very critical uh, point. You really have to decide whether you want to go in academics or whether you don't want to go in academics. So I think, and I don't want to do something which I really don't <laughs> want to pursue. I mean, of course, being doing a postdoc, what my friends are still saying the same, you know, seven years ago, that okay, do a postdoc, but I know this is not what I want to do. <laughs> so I know it's, it's a big challenge from academics, uh, from a student who don't have so much of work experience. This is also very important uh, things what you guys are doing because uh, as a as a students, we are always in our bubble. We don't know what's going out there. So I think this is very important to be heard, to listen also, of course, different opinions. So this not knowing what is really out there, um, how, do you, how do you seek this out? How do you uh, go about this? I mean, I, I just uh, wrote two companies and I, I started going through my network and asking people, so um, where do you work? Can you tell me a little bit about your work? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something you do too, or do you have your own way of, of approaching this? I was also getting involved in one of the career support group, which is basically, it was a very small group uh, from some of the Almanai people, they are from India, and it became quite big. So basically the whole idea of this group was, and also I'm a part of it, that to help each other to connect with people. Of course, it's very important to network. So I also do basically as how I met Carl, 
that we met through LinkedIn and I tried to see how, what are the different jobs out there and how do I fit in? I talked to different people. Of course, one has to read a lot also, like what are different job profiles and what could be, you? do you fit in or not? Right now, since I'm talking about the social, I'm more social butterfly or I want to reach out people. So I even don't want to go to R&D, research and development. So I think I, it, this need to be, I need to learn more yeah. Have, have you ever thought of because obviously you did uh, your masters, yeah. so your your bachelor in if I'm correctly or if I remember correctly in in India, yeah. Uh, then you moved to Vienna for the masters, and yeah. then you're now doing a PhD, which is still a pretty scientific career, right? Um, did you ever think of before moving into PhD career um, to to do an internship really to to work in a company, or at that time you still thought, hey, I might be ending up in science. Uh, well, I, uh, I, uh, till masters, I think I had the idea that maybe I will end up in science because you know I, I liked science. Now it's not that what I seek for right now. I mean, you know, like, and of course, doing a PhD and doing a master's is totally different because in, as a PhD student, you really know what is in academics or in research. Uh, what are different pitfalls? What are different challenges? And how you fit in or things? So that's I think I think main. Concern, it came during my PhD period because then I had more opportunity to explore things to see out. Uh, Carl, did this happen the same for you? Uh, you also have a PhD. Um, you also ended up in a, in a different field of, of work. How did that go? Is it relatable to, uh, to Abian's story and what you heard from me? Um, that, that's a pretty good question. So I always knew that I was... So first of all, I love writing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my passion. I really like it. So I I had a chance when I was working as a consultant in 2009, we really, really had a difficult year, like the world uh, economic crisis. And the first people that are being kicked out of companies is consultants. Mm -hmm. So my boss, basically, he said, well, guys, um, if somebody wants to take a sabbatical, the time is now. And I said, well, I always had that in mind to do a PhD. And I said, why not starting with that? So I basically mm -hmm. took an eight month sabbatical. And this is when I did that, not to move into science, but I also had in mind that I love teaching. So with a PhD, it's sometimes easier to get into a business school or into a university or a university of applied sciences as a, as a teacher. Um, so that was my motivation at that time uh, to, to do this. I didn't know where I was ending with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, this this might be a very relatable effect, a very relatable story. I think many people have this moment either at the end of their masters or or, or at the end of their PhD. Yeah, yeah. But I think what 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 this tells me is um, you have been pretty strong to defend your own choices that you're making. It sounds like right that you just mentioned seven years. People have been uh, almost chasing you, hey, what do you do next? What do you do next? Why don't you do a postdoc? And actually you, obviously it sounds like that you defended yourself from uh, being pushed into a certain direction that you felt this is not the right one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's that's how I <laughs> I try to live my life because, you know, I, I have to live my life and uh, I should do what I really want, uh, you know, and I think this is the also right time now to really decide myself. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about about this decision? Because you mentioned uh, that you want to move out of science. Mm -hmm. Because I, actually, I mean, you you did the, the highest degree that is possible, sure. right? So to be very clear here, 
and you decided to, or you're interested in taking a job in a company, right? How how do you feel about that decision making? Um, well, I would not say phrase it like moving out of science. I mean, science is everywhere. <laughs> so I, I would say that in a different area where I can actually apply my expertise or like my technical knowledge or my science. You know, so I mean, in, what I really realized, I mean, of course, I've been in throughout in basic research. I mean, of course, the basic research takes time and it uh, it evolves and everything. So maybe it would have been different if I would have been in applied science. I don't know. I mean, right now I have, I always did a basic research, like how do things work and in a molecular level. And I think now this decision came basically like, you know, okay, it's great. I'm, I'm trying to, I discovered basically in my PhD, a protein. I mean, this is, this is really good. <laughs> but to be actually to see an impact of this protein in, in future, it will take really long uh, time to really see how this works. So decision, what it helped me, basically, I, do, I want to see an application. Like, okay, I do this and this is has this has an impact. Just like how we were involved in this scientific event program, we we go and we collaborate, we talk to people and then you have the deal and then basically you just, uh, it's it's done. <laughs> and then uh, the whole event or being getting organized. So this this what I, I thought that I'm missing. And since I'm, I always liked human interaction, like somehow I, I always, and this is also why I, this thing which um, is missing is like right now is like, no, I don't want to actually, I mean, it, it sounds a bit crazy because now actually I've been sitting the microscope in a dark room. I mean, this I don't see myself. I'm well, sorry, well, but. Well, well, this this is a, a daily job of a radiologist yeah. in a hospital, right? Is sit in a dark room. Yeah. Marcel, can you confirm <laughs> that? Oh, absolutely. I think that's pretty interesting to hear, and I think you're not the only one. But obviously, if if I recap what you just said, that doing your PhD by doing some other stuff like reaching out to people and and getting sponsors on board and actually um, using or building up a network, you realize that you actually have certain strengths and yes. you are differentiating from your peers, right? Um, sure. By liking what they dislike yeah right actually i just wanted to comment on this uh, so i have a link so we got connected to linkedin so i tried to update in linkedin and to reach out people and then i was when i was talking to some of my friends who are also in, in the same phase i mean they want to transit but they don't know how to do it so we were talking basically hey abhyan you have a really cool linkedin profile why don't you help us to make a profile and then we were also, there was also graduate, uh, our graduate coordinator. And like, yeah, actually, this is also really nice too. I mean, like, yeah, why not? I can give <laughs> some workshop about it, like how to use basically your LinkedIn profile. Because people, everyone say, okay, social media. It's, oh, no, 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 science has to be out of. No, why? why? Use social media for your own benefit. I mean, like to reach out people and to even to tell what you are doing. And I actually, that's what um, my boss, since I am a first PhD student, and uh, I just took over because he has he made his Facebook <laughs> profile, Facebook lab page. And I just took over. Can I uh, take over your Facebook page? I can just post some pictures and give some information to people. And actually, we have now quite a lot of likes for it. So I, I just like this. Um, yeah. yeah. Can I, in the meantime, ask a, a question about your network? Um I, I remember, um, you know, at university, you have this very, very social network. Um, it's all friends. When you start working, and this is already happening throughout your PhD, uh, you build up, slowly build up a more professional network. 
um, not just colleagues, but also uh, when you go to conferences. How how is your network growing, and uh, how does this affect where um, where you want to move next? Do you uh, find it easy to um, extend your network into places where you want to go? And if so, how do you do that? Or where do you find the challenges in this? Yeah, of course. Um, so the thing is that we are we are from a mechanics background. So most of our networks, of course, in in related to research or scientists and everyone, of course, in conferences, the research. But now somehow I, I try to reach people who who kind of transitioned from being PhD student to a company. And I just want to learn, like, how did you guys manage or what courses did you take? Or do you just, it's easy to trans, how do you, people out there, like where are you working, see yourself? So basically I try to reach those people who have the same background like me because we were in the same boat basically. And then how did they, how did they manage to get a job? So I think that's also one thing which I'm kind of trying to do. Yeah. Ah, via LinkedIn. Yeah, via LinkedIn. Basically, we have like alumni group, and I also we have this also some Facebook groups and some social media groups. So what I really realized is, you know, I was very hesitant to contact them. People are helpful. <laughs> they want to help you, and I really was surprised. I have to say this that they really gave me some like important tips like okay do this or yeah and of course that's for the one more the best word was like networking i mean you really have to go and network with people try to find out do you really like it or do you fit in their shoes or not so, so i mean i mean certainly for our listeners uh they, they probably some of the listeners will say well it's easy in, um, to do this and to reach out to people that you don't know if you're an extrovert like you right um but but I, I can tell a funny anecdote, which I really like a question that you asked me. Uh, so basically, uh, I use LinkedIn quite ex- intensively and I saw, well, these people are looking for mentoring and I clicked on it and then suddenly I saw your profile um, and I said, well, let's write him. And after we had two, three calls, I remember the question you asked. Hey, but just to make sure, <laughs> I don't know how to ask, but is this for free or do I need to pay? And I said, well, of course it's for free, yeah. right? Um but I think, you know, I talked to almost graduates uh, this afternoon and we were talking about LinkedIn and what she said is basically, well, we have it because I'm at the business school, but we don't use it. And I said, well, how can you then expect any value out of it if you're not using it actively? And just having a thousand contacts on LinkedIn doesn't help you if you don't actively reach out to those people, right? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And also I, I try to sometimes I like, okay, I have an idea that, okay, I could do this. And then I just look for companies and then the people who are working there and just randomly send, oh, hi, I'm a man. I'm, I'm a PhD student. I'm trying to look, do you have time to help me give some tips and tricks? And I was really surprised that people are there to help. Really, they talk. Um, what is the percentage of response you get like percentage wise? Mm, well, I think it's not too high, <laughs> but I would say at least um yeah 40 percent people reply i would even say that is high yeah taking okay. into consideration that these people all have a job and are pretty busy in their daily sure, routine right? sure yeah so that is very high okay yeah <laughs> I, I i think yeah you need to be like being connected with them of course uh because of course they are busy and everyone but people for the first time for sure people there are people to help you and at least to talk to you i mean so um, your approach is actually 
very far from the approach that I took. Um, I once got the advice uh, that if you want to know where you want to go, look at the old guys um, and not at your peers. And at the time, they related to um, that, uh, the department I was at in the hospital. I was one of the assistants there. And he made me reach out to, um, to one of the, um, the literally old surgeons there. And I, I took that um, in a much broader sense. So when at the end of my PhD, I wanted to, um, to see if I you know, would be good at a different role. I approached uh, anything from uh, heads of research uh, institutes, uh, uh, including also with Philips. And so I, I never went for my uh, my peers. I always went for the yeah the the highest person I could find or I could get a response from. Have Have you ever tried this? Uh, do you have any experience with this? Uh, I did not. <laughs> yeah, I I, well, I just thought that give it a try. <laughs> yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> I did not. Right, I have to say because maybe I think that maybe they are too overwhelmed with all the queries and it will be difficult. Yeah, sure, I can give a try. <laughs> That's an interesting advice, actually. Marcel yeah. gave me, and I tried this, uh-huh. and uh, so I I uh, was looking for the next uh, growth opportunity within the company, and uh, <laughs> we were discussing who did you ask, and I said, well, uh, this and this and that guy, and I said, well, I would never ever dare to reach out to people that mm-hmm. I don't have any concrete topic, mm-hmm. uh, and Marcel said, give it a try, send him an email. So I did. I sent emails to the exco and to business leaders and. Um, I was surprised. I got a hundred percent reply, mm-hmm. and I got a, I would say, ninety percent face-to-face meeting, forty-five minutes with people, also agreeing on follow-ups. Uh, so obviously that works. Uh, and this tells you one thing: if you ask, you take initiative, and it's seen. I, I think your response, Abian, is actually. Um, it's actually what what normal people should think. Like uh, you know. They might be overwhelmed already with a lot of work and um, who am I in their context. But to be fair, I think there are a lot of them out there uh, who are willing to uh, to get a fresh view. And uh, I think uh, this the younger generation has this fresh view. And you clearly show this fresh view uh, already from your introduction, huh? um, that they're more than willing to talk uh, to uh, to young professionals. Yeah. <laughs> it's just confirmed, right? Yeah. So LinkedIn requires obviously also to have a professional profile. So I guess that your response would not be as high as 40% uh, if you would have a crappy yeah. profile. Sure. And people think, hey, he, he, he's asking for my time, but actually he's not spending any minute on his profile. So guys, check out his profile on LinkedIn. <laughs> you'll, you'll add to the, add me. <laughs> the link. Yeah. Maybe adding this is another thing. Um, I, I get, oh, I, for some time with specific job titles, you get a lot of requests of yeah. people that you don't know. And I typically decline those because mm-hmm. I think, well, a network that is dead, that yeah. you, out of people that you never spoke a word minimum on the phone, um, is not worth. So I decline those requests, but I also send a message. Hey, uh, guys, uh, please be aware. I only accept people in my network that I know or that I spoke on the phone. So either we speak on the phone, then I confirm or I, I'll decline. Mm-hmm. And that works pretty well. Yeah. Besides LinkedIn, is there anything else you use uh, for your orientation? So I heard that Zing. <laughs> Zing is also kind of famous for the dark region, but I did not have that much 
good experience with Zing. Yeah, so so Dach is uh, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Ah. Just for the people who are not familiar with that right. abbreviation. <laughs> yeah, so I just use Zing and LinkedIn basically to come to network with people. Then, what do you think about um, like Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, uh, like the real social media? Is, is there any role for for career development there, or are they really social, just no, social? I- no, I, I really think that they are really useful. In the back of the mind, every day, more or less, we check Facebook. I mean, okay, let's to be very frank, we all check Facebook and Instagram, and uh, and this is the way how we can connect with people. And some people, which they don't, they say, oh no, Facebook is crap. But I got a lot of help. I mean, this is the group which I got involved in through Facebook, and that's how they gave me some opportunity. And we did everything offshore. Like I was here, some guy was in. Um, in US and one is in India. So we try to balance our time, but I follow them. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think it's no question that social media is important and it's 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 also changing and heavily influencing sure. the way we communicate, right? Yeah. I remember my when I was, oh my God, I'm not, okay guys, I'm not saying I'm old, right? I, <laughs> I, I'm 37, uh, but I feel like 21. But when I was 15 or 14, I remember that I, really often met my friends on at a cafe, right? Mm-hmm. For a drink. What I hear quite a lot is that basically social media is basically the standard of communication within the peer group. For me, it's very important that you should have fun in your work. I mean, that's that's the most important thing. And if you have fun, you will do good. If you do good, you will earn good money. And that's it. Uh, I think that's, that's very important. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, and talking about let's say you being a millennial, right? Um, are there any things that you're afraid of if you think about your future job or that you, where you feel discomfort? I mean, uh, so I have a different uh, situation <laughs> because I'm from India and I'm so far, and I think for me what is important is that I still am not stable. <laughs> like I mean to say that right now I feel like I'm ready to face actually real 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 life scenario like what is actually happening there okay let's solve real problems and i really feel that i'm ready about it and the problem which i face feel is right now is um the resident permit like okay there are so many things going on political wise and everything so i think uh, this is also very important but i'm happy that german german law suddenly uh, they improved their um, laws for the immigration it's kind of relaxed so this is kind of very nice approach for to be global world and try to use your value skills. What What is your image of a multinational that makes you uh, steer towards smaller companies or vice versa? What is so attractive to the smaller ones? So, so what I really like about the multinational, I mean, I have... Been, I have experience with different people, like from different international people. I've been meeting with international people, and I, I somehow I feel it's it's very diverse, and I think it's very important in multi. It's 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 interesting to see in multinational companies, like we have so many diversity of people, and it's so much of exchange of information, culture, and different ideas, which you, which you even which we don't really think from our. Maybe I'm biased in some perspective, but maybe some person from totally different culture. They have totally different ideas and how to put in. So I think this makes life a bit interesting uh, in a multinational company. At least that's what I think. Uh, that people from different backgrounds, different expertise, they come together and then they work for one goal. Or so I think that's 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 very exciting for me, and that's what I would aim for. 
But I mean, of course, small companies, they do have, uh, I would not say that they don't have uh, benefits. They do have benefit of certainly. But uh, my uh, aim would be for global companies because since I actually feel that I'm a very international person, <laughs> actually, I also, I was just telling to Carl that when actually I go back to India, I mean, you know, I, I don't relate myself to one country or like one boundary somehow. I feel like that I'm for the global person. So it's like a global citizen, global, right? Yeah, and maybe it sounds a bit uh, uh, too much, but actually this is true. I mean, I really feel home everywhere. And I, I, I totally agree uh, <laughs> that this is actually what giving me a lot of energy, the um, the engagement with international people, right? So the story you told me at, at dinner that we had, <laughs> that you were flying on six, uh, 26, I think, um, flying back to India to, uh, to your sister's <laughs> wedding, right? Yeah. And you're taking two friends. I yeah. mean, in a German wedding, I'm not sure how that is in Netherlands, but in a German wedding, you would never ever, you invite your friends to your sister's wedding where your friends are not your um, your sister's friends, right? Yeah. So that's totally different. And you said it's a, like a 400 uh, people wedding. That's that's very impressive. And I think that makes it very interesting to also engage with different cultures. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to this wedding because I, th I think they are more prepared than me because they're like, oh, we want all Indian clothes and everything. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> so it will be super exciting. They yes. will be the, 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 the super Indians yeah. uh, from Germany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So One of my friends is like, okay, I'm going to wear everyday Indian clothes. Well, okay. Daniel, this, uh, I think we will even not wear Indian clothes all the time. Maybe you are the one who is wearing the Indian clothes all the time. So yeah, I think I like it. So uh, this whole thing, uh, it's fun. <laughs> Can I ask a similar question, um, but uh, post as, a, as two sides? Which one would you pick? Would you go for a startup with the potential of doing something radical and unique? Or... Would you pick for a multinational with the ability to keep your international uh, view on life? Which one would you Which one would you prefer, and why, of course? So uh, thanks to Carl again because uh, he 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 kind of connected with me to two people from actually from one from Philips and also one from uh, one of from startup company. We I talked and I I actually really figured it out. There are two different scenarios. I mean, what I personally believe is since. I don't have an experience uh, in, in, in company or in a corporate. So I think I would prefer to go in a multinational company, like a big company where it would be, I would, I would able to learn something, of course, like they have the program or they, they, you can learn different things and their different strategies. You can learn from different expertise, people. But if I go right now in a startup company, of course, you can always learn by doing. I mean, certainly you can learn by doing, but I have a feeling that maybe I, end up in learning something which is uh, maybe not right or maybe I'm, I will not be able to do the correct things. Of course, you learn by doing. But for me right now, what I would prefer to go in a multinational company where you have some structures like programs to really learn different things because right now I need to learn things. I, I would really like to challenge that because uh, I think I said that um, every job or every role that I, that I accepted um, had a job description yeah. and a job description often was like, uh, you need to be um, younger than 25, um, having an MBA, having worked for 35 years and uh, being whatever fluent in seven different languages, like extremely extreme requirements. And the roles that I then took um, turned out to be something that has a certain level of freedom. Um, what I, what do I mean with that? So you can define the role and set your 
your um, the things that you really believe will have an impact based on your interests and your strengths, you can um, define them as being important. Of course, with certain boundaries, there's always stuff that you need to do yeah. that's just given. But there is always a huge aspect of learning into this. So I wonder, I have never really, in, in many large-scale companies I work for, experienced that with a new role, with a new job, you actually get a dedicated learning program. You get certainly programs that are supporting you to grow, to build leadership skills, for example, to build presentation and consultancy skills and whatever skills are needed, general skills, um, but never specific um, to a role or to a function. So I think it's up to you to learn. So I have a very particular view on that because um, in, in my experience, and I know there are exceptions here, um, but in my experience, companies hire more on um, personality and, and cultural fit with the company rather than their, their real domain knowledge. Um, although the, um, the application might be uh, all about the domain and it's often um, uh, littered with the experience that they're asking for. Um, in the end, uh, you spend most of the time talking about um, who you are as a person and deal with situations and um, how they will estimate you will grow in the company. And the moment then when you enter, um, it's sink or swim. And I, I think um, uh, to have a plan or a structure in which you, you can at least get that personal growth, I think that would be tremendously valuable. But I think there are many, many companies out there that simply don't have it or don't have it yet. I need to learn different things right now, which I might might not be aware of. What are the things that you believe are required you to learn if you move into the real world of business, let's say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, like how to be bit, how to talk to the customers. I mean, how to face different challenges or like how to calm down a bit also like different areas or what are how different what are different hierarchies like different levels of uh, functionality i mean of course in in academics we have just like me and my boss but maybe in companies there are different levels that i need to really know or how do they work or of course in companies it's more about business of course i mean in like money is important <laughs> in there so these things which i would like to learn basically right now i mean like uh, how do I um, handle the situations? I mean, I, I think I, I know some of, I have experienced a good, good. I gut feeling that I would be good at it, <laughs> but some things which I, I never did it. Uh, so I, that's what I want to just learn now, right? I think there is uh, certainly an, a big aspect of learning to this. Uh, I can give you an example out of my consultancy role. And that's a difference to a mid-sized company I work for, for example. Um, I realized that, uh, for example, in consultancy, it's everything is high quality. Every single document that you share with somebody, even if it's just an early draft or early sketch of an idea that you have, you make it look nice and you spend significant amount of hours just producing that document because this is your business card. If you send a, a presentation that is not nice to somebody, they will say, well, we're not going to do this because we you didn't put enough effort in presenting it in, in a way. And in, in that was my personal experience in a mid-sized company. You simply, you don't have the time to do these high quality, shiny consultancy presentations because 
you need to run the business, yeah. right? So, so I think there is always a big aspect of learning and um, and things that might run in one company yeah, sure. might be totally false in the other, right? Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, we just recently we have one PhD student <laughs> who was working in one of the good company in Germany, and he somehow did not like it. So now he can can you define why he didn't like it? Ah, uh, because I think he did not like that structures of the company or everything or the the corporate life. But he said that it, everything was very structured. Yeah, and uh, he just did not like it. Maybe he just wanted to have a change because I think he also did his uh, bachelor's there and he was long there. Right, our tour about in German thing. So he did. So now he's doing PhD, and so it's, it's for him. It's also I really see him exciting because this is what he really wanted to do, and now he's super excited and like really learning different things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's doing good. Obviously, there, there. It sounds like a frustration. He ran through an, a bachelor degree and, and a master's, and then after in, being part of a company, and then decided, well, mm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't fit into the structure. This is what you said. Yeah. Uh, did he ever explain what he meant by that, or did he give any examples? Mm, I mean, he just mentioned basically. Did not really, but he just mentioned that there were not so much a freedom uh, for him, like to do what he really wanted to do. There were some restrictions in in case of infrastructure or some software which he wants to use. Maybe yeah. people are not really using that software or oh, yeah. you have to be with everyone. So maybe he like every, if everyone is using Excel, you also have to use Excel. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's true. It's pretty, pretty, it can be pretty much standardized. I mean, yeah. the, that's, I think I recently was thinking about how to uh, describe a difference between a startup and, and a large-scale company. And the commonness of large-scale companies is pretty much that they are on a scale, to some extent, standardized, right? Mm-hmm. There are some that are pretty loose, but I think most of the companies I, I work for or that I've heard of uh, have standard processes. For example, the purchasing process should be defined. Um, you have to choose out of two laptops. Sometimes you just have one standard laptop, except, except if you're the CEO, then you probably can buy something else. And and that's maybe one case that I could immediately think of where yeah. you need to fit. For example, if you want to travel on a specific route uh, with a specific airline, that's not possible because there are certain processes like you need to use a booking tool and you need to choose the cheapest one, which yeah. sometimes... I mean, from a company perspective, it makes sense. Yeah, sure. But would really that's an interesting thing, and would also like to hear from from the guys listening to us. If you experience same things, just let us know. If you tested uh, to work in a company and you found, hey, there are certain things that we don't fit, just let us know because I, maybe we can pick that up and just also um, in the next podcast just incorporate this and ask our new guests that we're going to speak with. So that's an interesting <laughs> an interesting point. I would like to get back to one thing you said. You, you came from India via um, Vienna uh, to Münster. Y- you're not married. You don't have kids. You don't have a partner. You're opened 
So, so listeners and uh, <laughs> everybody on, on the web, so to say, if you're looking for somebody, an enthusiastic young guy like Avian Fiblaff, having a PhD in molecular biology from University of Münster and having, let's say, an inter- entrepreneurial spirit and being very open to contact people, contact us. We're very happy to give his contact details uh, so you can have a chat about um, job opportunities. Here, I don't want to say that I don't miss India and my family. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss, but yeah, it's just uh, I'm raised like that. And I've been in a boarding school also, very from the beginning. So I'm, I need independence. I need to, right. to do what I really want. And I think my parents also realize it. They know it. So I'm free. Actually, this, in that matter, I'm free. <laughs> and then that's probably the reason why they're supporting you, right? Yeah. To, to, to get to Europe. Uh, but, but I mean, being away from home, and I, I guess you also had friends when you were at school or at boarding school in, in, in India. How do you cope with being living in a totally different country? Initially, I was, I was, I have to say that initially I was in contact with them. I'm still in contact with them for sure, but... I, I sometimes I start seeing so one of my best friend I mean yeah maybe he's listening I don't know so he he used to be my best friend and I used to chat with him quite often and now I don't but somehow I don't also don't miss it because you know I change I my personality change my value changes and he is in his own world I'm in his my own world and I have my friends I have different values now so it's good because whenever I meet them we are same. But it's not that I'm missing them. I mean, you know, whenever I talk to them, we are in the same pitch. But it's okay um, to be <laughs> to, to, to to be away, to right. be away. But, and... but you still have this friendship yes, that, that connects you right sure. from early days. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that the values have changed. What, can you describe that? <laughs> I think I. Yeah, I don't know, because maybe it also depends upon people who work in a different sectors, because uh, some of my friends, they are in fashion and some of my friends, they are in um, IT or computer science. And since I'm in academics, I mean, of course, some of my friends, they say, oh, you are still studying. No, I'm not still studying. I'm, 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 it's, it's a project. So, you know, they don't understand my point of view. So I think that's what I mean, that these values, like how to see yeah. the world in a different way, like like in a passion way or what is standard. So what I feel like that some, no, no regrets, no offense, but uh, some friends, like they have their standards that they want to do this, 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 but this now I'm, I don't want to be in that standard. <laughs> and I think that's what somehow I always, and while coming here, I, I felt much more that I really want to know myself, like to move and to see things. Otherwise, if I'm one place and, I don't know. I mean, of course, there are a lot of people who don't get opportunity. I'm lucky to create, kind of create my opportunity, but to have this experience. But, but beyond, uh, let's say, uh, the, the topics about career orientation that, that we touched on, um, I, I think you did something which is, with many people that are listening to this podcast already have done or yeah, are planning sure. to do going abroad, right? Because it's somehow, if you... It's, it's, I would say, almost standard. I also did, I spent eight and a half months living in and studying in Brazil. And that was also the first place really outside Germany that I lived and I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> so this is where the positive memories come from. But if you, what are the top three survival tips for people that move out of India, mm-hmm. living in on a different continent, actually, 
what what do you consider as the most important survival tips for them? So the very first is if you are in Rome, be a Roman. <laughs> so <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like uh, if I'm in Europe, I have to adapt. Like I have to be open because I think, I mean, I don't want to say like Indians, like we are not open, but yeah, we have some values, but you have to be open, friendly and adjust and try to learn with different uh, how things come up. I still remember when I uh, had my first flatmate who was basically German in Vienna and uh, I did not know, I was really very young and I did not know how to clean things or everything, but he was so supportive. He kind of taught me how to do stuff like uh, even cleaning a toilet or something because we are used to in different way or so your ego. No details, please. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I think uh, you don't have to be egoistic. I think, you know, there are so many different opportunities to learn. I think just Learn good things, leave bad things. Uh, is is there an, a concrete example, let's say, where you uh, you experience a cultural misunderstanding that you? Yeah, I mean, f- for some things, for me, it's clean. <laughs> it was used to be clean. I mean, but now it, it happens the same. When I go to India now, I see not clean, but for my family, it's clean. But or not clean, let's say, in different ways or something. But I say, okay, no. Then my parents say, okay, if you don't like it, do it by yourself. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, Avian uh, is also professional in cleaning toilets <laughs> if you go there. <laughs> that, that, that's funny because I, I could imagine that if you go back to India that your parents say, well, our, my, our German son is coming back. Oh, is yeah. that true? My cousins already tell me that you are European <laughs> already. So and I cannot handle spices much more because I get problems. Last time I just had like one street food in India. Everyone was fine, but I was gone. So this time <laughs> I really have to be very, very careful about it. And yeah, I mean, it's sad that I'm I'm not uh, still be a part, but I'm fine. I mean, you know, this is what I want. And yeah. And uh, and it, it sounds like you live the life you want and yeah. you chose for yourself and you're doing the best out of it because you, you seem to be a pretty happy person person in in Germany. And if you, maybe going back to the topic that we touched on at the very beginning, uh, the situation that you are, let's say, finalizing or f- just finished your PhD and orienting yourself where you will be ending up in, in a company or whatever. What are the things that worked best so far where you have the feeling, hey, this was really a good tip that was given to you or something that you tried? What, what are the three orientation tips? Mm, so I think First, the tip was like to really know yourself uh, to what you really want to do. So first, you have to just kind of like sit back and make a list that you are what you are good at it or how did you experience it and what would be what you are what what you are good at it or what you really want to do. So I think this is very important to really think your thoughts in yourself rather than telling to someone like who someone is telling to you, okay, no, maybe you should do this, but rather I should know. Think to myself that what I want to do. How, how did you find that out? Did you just sit, lock yourself in your room <laughs> for eight no, hours? No, I mean, just, you just need to kind of think about your experience. Like, uh, that's what I did. Like, okay, I was good in uh, giving a speech or I was good in uh, hosting an event or I, I'm good at a presentation. So I think these are the uh, these are the hooks which you can find out. So so these hooks, but it also means you need to step up and present. You need to, uh, let's say, host an event, right? It's, it's all about trying out. 
Yes, certainly. Yes. So, okay, of then, course. So, so basically, the first tip that let me just summarize mm-hmm. it because I think that's pretty important to people that are listening and are exactly in the same situation, right? Almost finalizing their studies and having no clue right. what they really can. So, basically, what you're saying is identifying the things that you really like doing, where you're strong at, and where you have actually done this intrinsically, yeah. or you happen to do this, like. Presenting in school. Do you have any other orientation tips or things that you did that that helped you? I think also talk to your friends uh, because they know better, <laughs> like how you are as a person. Because I think they also can give you some good tips. Because but didn't you say you would be ending up in IT if you would have listened oh, to? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But they also told me that I'm a good, I'm a social butterfly. Uh, so you know that's also. Right came up to me and then I was okay how to use it yeah so I think understand. that's also uh, you kind of resonate your things and now when I see people like yeah you are good at these things or you are good in presentations so, so are they confirming that or are they giving you actually or are, you, are they so, reflecting on how they see you so yeah I get, of course it depends on different groups of friends of course but some friends of course they say yeah you are good at it of course you can do it but maybe if it's hard you can try this so but this I mean, of course, they want to encourage you because they re- they see you how yeah. you are. Yeah. But maybe they also give some other mm-hmm. suggestions, which might not fit. But right. uh, you just need to filter out. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and if you think about the third tip of things that you tried, <laughs> so I think what tip I maybe it's not a tip, but what I experienced. Uh, so while while I was writing my thesis, <laughs> it took like almost two year, two not year, sorry, month. <laughs> And uh, some actually one of my friends, uh, she asked me, do you miss actually doing wet lab work? And I said, actually, no. <laughs> actually, I really don't miss because uh, I'm just enjoying it, writing and accumulating things. I'm kind of making a story or I liked it. So, and then I said, do you miss it? <laughs> and she said, yeah, I really miss uh, doing hand like work from hands or I miss doing it. And right now I'm also doing... Um, so this was the point where I realized that, okay, my decision, which I really thought that I don't want to stay in wet lab or doing a lab work, is kind of, it's true. Well, it's actually, uh, <laughs> I think, re- reflecting on, uh, w- with people about your current situation, right? Yeah. And, and also understanding it of people that are in the same place, yeah. if they like it, and also question yourself, do you still like it, what yeah. you're doing, right? And would you miss it? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, pretty valid valid point yeah i would like to go um or g- g- go back to one thing you, you mentioned you said you were reading uh, job profiles right mm-hmm. for example to get an idea on what jobs are actually available how did you do that where did you go to is there a specific website or what did you how, how did you manage that yeah, yeah there are some websites like job vector uh, and some uh, Glassdoor or uh, there are also some in LinkedIn also, of course, in LinkedIn, you also have some job profiles. And then plus, uh, uh, I think there is also some Jing profiles that I check from the job profiles. There. Mm-hmm. And I think the Glassdoor is a good one because you can also check, like, uh, of course, the profile and the company. And also you can read about the company, like what is their culture and how people rate their company and what mm-hmm. is basically the working environment of this culture. So I think... So you get an outside, no, inside out perspective yeah. actually on that company with, without working for it. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's that's pretty good to really know yeah. if you if that company actually 
fits to you. <laughs> so that's that's actually four orientation tips uh, that that you could could follow. Again, I think many of you listeners are in a similar situation, possibly not doing an, uh, an, a PhD. Some of you might have already gained some experience um, in in a, in a company. But I recently talked to. And another intern, and um, we were talking about, well, after spending six months in a company, do you actually know where you will be ending? And uh, he said, uh, no, I don't know. What I know is that I liked it, but I'm not sure if this will be the job I want to do for the rest of life or the, the, the working environment. So actually, then we said, well, then you need to try something else. And try meaning just spending three more months because I think it's a hard decision that you need to take, right? Sure. And that should be well well thought through. Thanks a lot. I think that that's very insightful and it was a great pleasure talking to you. So what what uh, I took out of this as a, as a key learning is um, to be open-minded and just try out things even though your surrounding might say something completely different like going to IT you consciously took a decision to test something else. You are actually reaching out to people. And of course you are extrovert, but I think that should not prevent you from, if you were an introvert, to actively use networks. We've talked about LinkedIn, for example, and reach out to people that have a similar profile that could be interesting and ask for help. And with an response rate of 40%, that's pretty high. So I think that's, that's another learning that I take out of that but it requires certainly to have a professional LinkedIn profile right uh, that's also important and you we sh you shared your uh, top four orientation tips and I think that's also valuable just to reflect if for our listeners if this would help you actually because I I know what I want to do and I'm doing it um, to actually orient um, your, yourself. So thanks a lot, Abian. It was a great pleasure talking to you and thanks for hosting us in, in, in your kitchen. <laughs> and uh, also thanks to your roommates for having us here. Uh, but actually before we come to an end, I, I totally forgot to two stories, right? We want yeah. to tell our, our listeners which one is true <laughs> and which one is false. Shall I tell? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I wish the Italian thing would come true, but that was false. I'm sorry. I love Italy. I love Italian food. I would. So that was the Italian bakery, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Ita Italian bakery story. Uh, yeah, that was false. Uh, yeah, but I would not mind to have this experience actually. <laughs> well, maybe just just go there and, and and try it. I think that will be very special. And and actually, the first story was true. Yeah, the first story was true. I can imagine you sitting in the economy class, I guess, uh, and, and, and heading towards Europe and being, oh my God, I will be totally alone in Vienna. No. But obviously you, you made it, you survived that. So thanks again for, for listening and for supporting this podcast. And um, please contact us. You'll find us on survivingincompanies.com. We wish you, Abian and all the other guys that, and ladies that are looking for orientation and, and seeking for a job, all the best. This was Surviving in Companies podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>